All right, happy Father's Day. Dads out there, we want to honor you. The fifth commandment is to honor your father and mother. Uh, We want to do that every day of our lives, but we want to particularly, specifically today, honor dads. And so uh, if you're a father, grandfather, spiritual father, we honor and we bless you. I do understand that this is a day where, depending on your relationship with your father, it could be one of woundedness, it could be one of regret, it could be one of, of, of concern, dismay, uh, maybe you've experienced loss. I understand that there's a, enough people out here to, to, to span the gap, but we're here to worship uh, our, our true heavenly father. If you're in Christ, you have a dad. No matter who your earthly father was, uh, whether he was a great dad, uh, pointed you to Jesus, or uh, he, he was not. Uh, we are here to worship our, our Father. That's what Jesus actually, the title Jesus tells us uh, to, to refer to, to, to God the Father as, as our Father. When teaching us to pray, that's what Jesus tells us, is our Father. This is amazing. He says the pray, when we're praying our Father, meaning we have, we're in the same family. If you are in Christ, you have the same family as, as the Lord Jesus. And so uh, Jesus uh, shares his title with you. If you know, love, and trust Jesus, you're a child of God. He is a son. He's the son of God. And if you are a father, uh, the God the Father shares his title with you. So that's a big deal. That's a big thing. And so uh, many, many Christians, however, they struggle, to, to, especially in our day, to think about God as father. We oftentimes think about Jesus, and we're like, Jesus is the son. We can, we can understand. He's like a big brother to us. And, and, and somehow we think uh, that the son, because the son, Jesus Christ, the son is good to us, then that makes us, he gives us a, a hall pass, or a free, free ride, a free ticket token to, to heaven with, uh, with, you know, and the father just puts up with us. Many people feel that we, uh, the Father, just simply puts up with us. It's not true. And so my, my goal and objective today is to change your mind, if you believe that, uh, with the Scriptures. Uh, in the Scriptures, uh, Jesus, the most used name, he refers to, to God as Father. Sixty-five times through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he uses the term Father. In John, he uses it a hundred times. That's 165 times. So I have 165 verses we got to get through. Just kidding. Uh, first things first. I only have hmm, less than that. Uh, first thing, what is the Father like? What is God the Father like? That's the first question. What is God the Father like? And John 1, verses 14, he says this. The word, that is Jesus, became flesh. He put on skin and bones, came as a man, lived a life like we live, and dwelt among us, lived among his people. And we have seen his glory, the glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's come from the Father. He's full of grace and truth. He's, he's, he's radiating the glory of the Father. Additionally, in verse 18 of chapter 1, John says, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, or he who is at the Father's side, who is Jesus, has made him known. Jesus reveals to us what God the Father is like. 165 times, Jesus will be very specific. So go back, read the Gospels. This, this week, I remember, uh, or I went through John for, for most of it, but uh, I remember preaching through, through the, the Gospel of John just often over and over. 100 times, Jesus refers to God as the Father. He's our Father. And so it, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot that's been written about Jesus' relationship with God the Father. You can find books about that, uh, the way Jesus relates to, to God the Father. But very few books, articles, or anything I've ever found shows uh, it's the, the, the viewpoint from the Father to the Son, the Father's relationship with the Son. 
Yes, I get it, they're, 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 they're commingled. But what I want to do today, this is not a message uh, simply to equip fathers, though it will, I'll make some points of application for fathers, but this is a, a sermon to, to honor God our Father today and, and for all of us to see what the Father is like. And we're going we're gonna to view this, 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 this or we're going to seek this question through the lens of, of God the Father's relationship with Christ the Son. And so I have 12 points, not 165, just 12. Um, and so I, will, I could preach a sermon on every single one of them. I will not. So you don't need to come up to me after and go, hey, you didn't you know, divulge the full context of every verse. You're right. I'm just simply speaking to in, in context of God the Father's relationship with Christ the Son and make application for us all today. And so uh, first, number one, God the Father loves his Son. I know it seems elementary. I know it seems simple, and you would think any dad, obviously, would love his son, but let's take a moment and read this and see this is what the Holy Spirit, when deciding what was going to go into the, 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 the book that God was writing to his people, decided that he wanted us to know that God the Father loves Christ the Son. He says it this way, John three thirty five. simply put, the Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son. Just think of it. God wanted you to know. And we live in such a world in America and we're like, but what about me? Does God love me? Yeah, absolutely. Why? Because he loves the Son. We're going to get to that. But he loves the Son. This is not just an assumed thing, but he declares it. Meaning God the Father willfully, willfully, he certainly, he purposefully loves his Son. And he declares it. This is powerful. A father telling his son, declaring to his son that he loves him is powerful. A a, a father telling his daughter he loves her is powerful. This is something that is not just to be told uh, from a father one time, but often, frequently. God the Father wrote it and sealed it eternally. In the, in, the, in the Bible for us, so that we would know forever and always, he loves his son. He loves his son. Dads, he, do, you, do you share with your children, your sons, your daughters, how much you love them frequently, often? I don't care if they don't like hearing it. Do you, do you, do you love them, and do you share that? Do you declare that? It's something that, that has such power. I think we, we often just think, well, love, we just throw that word around and it, it means very little. It only means very little because you mean it to be, mean very little. Tell your children you love them. God the Father told Christ the Son, the perfect Son, the sinless Son, that he loves him. So it wasn't, but he didn't love him because he, was, he, he, he did everything right. He, he loved him simply because he was his son. Yes, he obeyed perfectly, but he loved him because he was his child, his son. Number two, the father shared his life with his son. If you are in Christ, all of these things are true for you. I need you to see this. If you are in Christ, if you know, love, and trust Jesus, and Jesus is your Savior, all of these things are true. God the Father loves you. God the Father, like he shares his life with the son, will share his life with you. That is 100% true. So all 12 of these points, you must see that this is how the father feels about you. You are in Christ. You are part of the family. You are, this is the way the father loves his children. The father shared his life with his son. 
John 5, 26, he says this, For as the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son also to have life in himself. So here's the reality. In the beginning, when, when God created Adam and Eve, when Adam was formed, God breathed, literally breathed his life into Adam. We went through Genesis, we talked at length on this. God breathed into Adam life. Jesus was born in, in the flesh, as we, we saw uh, in John 1, that he, he dwelt among us. I want you to see that this, he literally put on human flesh. And the Father, in the same way that he breathes life in, sustaining life into Adam's mortal body, Jesus' body was mortal. His earthly body would perish. Ultimately, it culminated in a, in, in a murder, in a trial gone wrong, and being crucified. But Jesus was flesh and bone like you and me. And, and the Father breathed his life into his Son. Additionally, we see that in Romans 8, we're told that it is the, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead who gives life to your mortal bodies, to my, my body. Our bo- we, are alive, we have life. Our life is sustained by the, the breath and life of the one who raised Jesus from the dead, God the Father. God the Father. And so earthly fathers, I want you to see this, they are to reflect and model fatherhood from the viewpoint and from, the, and from like the Heavenly Father, like our Heavenly Father. And so, fathers, I want you to see this. A father can give life or he can take life. We're told in Proverbs that the power of life and death are in the tongue. Fathers can use their words to make a child uh, have life. Or they can squash their life with their words. The power of life and death is, is in the tongue. Jesus also tells us in Luke 6 that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you've ever said this, I know I've been guilty of this. We all have. Oh, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. That's a lie. You did. You did. Like, well, I just, I wanted to say something different. Yeah, no, you wanted to. You, you, you're right. You meant to say something different. But you can't hide what's in your heart. Think about this in the context of it's easy to think, oh, I spilt something in the car driving by myself, didn't harm anybody. But also, this is oftentimes how fathers are when, I mean, I didn't mean to say that to my son. I didn't mean to say that to my daughter. I didn't mean to have that tone with my wife. I didn't mean, I didn't really want, I didn't want to do that. Those are moments, well, whether you like it or not, you, what's in the father's heart will come out towards his children, 100%. The life that the Father, God the Father had spilled out into the life of Christ the Son. The father, a father, an earthly father will share with his children. We must see this, men. An earthly father will share with his children what's in his heart. The question is not about uh, what should I say, what should I do. It's not about behavior modification. It's about who you worship in your heart. Because ultimately, always, forever, what is in your heart will eventually come out. It, what's in your heart will form your children, it'll form their loves, it'll form their fears, it'll form who they think God is, it'll form their life, it'll form their future. Fathers, give your children life. You have the power in your, in your authority, but also with your words, and it comes from your heart. Number three, the father taught his son. This is awesome. Jesus Christ, the perfect God-man, was taught by his father. John 8, 28. It says, Jesus says, I do nothing 
on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. He's not 50-50. He's fully God. He's fully man. In his humanity, he had to learn, just like you and I do. In his humanity, his Father taught him. Taught him what to say. Taught him how to live. This is, this is a father. God the Father was active and involved in Christ the Son's life. The Son was submissive to his Father. That's a whole other sermon about fathers submitting to their, 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 or sorry, sons submitting to their fathers. Children submitting to their fathers. And so, but right here, the, the, he, the, Jesus was taught. The Father taught his Son. Fathers, you teach. You teach your children. And some of you in here, you're like, well, I'm not a father yet. The reality is we're all, if you're in Christ, you're to, you're to make disciples. You're to teach one another to observe all that Christ has commanded. Male or female, whoever you are in here, God wants you to teach others. In the same way that Jesus learned from his father, you and I are called to learn from our heavenly father. The same father, God the father. And a father must teach the father must teach his children, his boys certain things, his daughter certain things, a lot of things he must teach. But one of the things that a father must teach particularly is uh, God's word. God's word. I say that because this is the area in which most fathers are insecure in. Ladies, I'm about to tell you some news. You may, have, you may know this and you may intuitively know this, but men don't like to not know what they're doing. They don't. When a man feels insecure about what he, doesn't, and he, what he doesn't know, he just doesn't talk. It's like guys who don't know how to change the oil. Like me, I don't act like I know how. And I, I, how much money? Like, you know, you know you're getting robbed. You know it. But you're too insecure to learn and ask. That's real. I'm giving you an example. Let me, let, me, let me give you an example. That is one. When it comes to God's word, so many men feel so insecure about God's word. They feel like they have to be perfect. They feel like they, when they're praying, they're leading their, their home in prayer. They feel like they have to say the right words. They feel like they have to, uh, to, to know all the answers. This is how men treat one another, particularly in the workplace. If a man doesn't know everything, the man who does know everything, he's like the, you know, that guy. People make fun of him. The only people that make fun of the guy who knows everything is the people who don't know anything. Like it's, the, it's because we're dealing with insecurities. This is how men relate. So they struggle to relate to God their father because he's like, he knows everything, I know nothing. That means I'm little and I'm insecure here. Additionally, he, men are afraid to talk to other men about their insecurities, about, especially when it comes to teaching, knowing the Bible. Like, give me a podcast so I can listen to it privately so no one knows that I don't know anything. Like, that's American men, Christian men. It's not just with podcasts, with Christianity, it's with everything. Men want to know, they do want to know. The men want to know. They want to know their God. They want to be able to teach their children. They want to be able to teach their wife. They want to be able to teach their coworkers. They, they long to do that because they're hardwired by God to do that, but they're insecure. And so at our church, if, you're, if you feel insecure, men, I want you to, it's going to take some humility. The first step is going, hey, I want to know. Will someone help me? This church, we've been committed to building men up, not beating them up. We're committed to helping equip men to, to, to be God's men, to be a, a blessing to women and children, the world, the culture. And we believe that through doing that, we'll change our city, we'll change our nation, we'll change the world. Everyone understands that there's a, there's a father problem, a man, a man problem in our world, but no one knows what to do. Here's what we do. We bring them to God the Father. 
We allow the affirmation of God the Father to be put up on them, to be affirmed in Christ. So if you're a guy, you feel insecure, you need some help, man, fill out a connect card. Find one of the guys in here and just say, someone I guarantee will tell you, help you get connected if you're not connected. But on the subject of God, uh, 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 the seal or or, uh, the father, you know, uh, impressing upon a man his beloved uh, nature, his, his, his affirmation. Number four, the father has set his seal on his son. This means he's affirmed him. He's blessed the son. It's hard for a man or a woman to give blessing, particularly hard for a man to give the blessing of masculinity if he never received it. This is why we get terms like toxic masculinity because we don't understand uh, true biblical masculinity. And so the father has has set his seal on his son. And in John 6, 27, it says, Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will give you. For on him, on Jesus, God the Father has set his seal. First thing here, dads, money isn't everything. I know it's a lot of things. I know today, in our day and age, and especially with the, our economy, where we live, we're, we're thinking about money, how are we going to provide. Like, I went, to, I went grocery shopping for the first time in a while, and I was like, really? That's, that's how much we're paying these days for this stuff. I, I had a little moment where my heart did, did, skipped a beat, and I said, man, this is just chicken wings. I, I don't know if it's cheaper to go to, you know, a place that makes them for you or to make them myself. I really don't know anymore. Like, it's, you're going to have to take out a loan no matter what. Like, that's where we're at. And, and I need you to see this because there's a, when, when hard times come and a man is hard-pressed, there are strong men who will rise up and they'll get things done. But I need us to see. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm trying to hear, you, what I'm trying to hear, what I want you to hear me say, men, is that money isn't everything. You can put food on the table but leave your child's heart void. I'm not saying don't put food on the table. I'm saying definitely do so. But work for food that, 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 that doesn't perish. One that wells up to eternal life. One that the Son of Man, Jesus, says he'll give you. You don't have to work for it. You don't even have to, you didn't earn it. He earned it for you. There is, a, there is a deposit that you can make in your children's life that only you can do, dads. The father did this to his son, Jesus, and it, he's called you to do the same to your sons and to your daughters. And it is not simply breaking your back to provide food. Like, man, my dad's never around, but at least I have food. You're right. You have food. Here's what you need to know. This isn't, in the, this isn't in my notes, but here's another verse for you. Jesus tells us that birds don't worry about food. We have bird feeders in our backyard. Every time I see a bird go get them, I'm like, they don't worry about this. Dumb humans are putting this out for them. Like, we don't even know. Like, we're spending, we're provi- God is using me and my kids' love for birds right now to provide for these birds, and they're not worried about it. I'm like, you don't even know how much that costs, bird. He said, yeah. My father's taking it. And I think that I'm providing the food. I'm not. God the Father provides for the birds. He'll provide for you. He'll put food on your table. If, as Matthew 6, 33 says, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll give you what you need. Done. Sealed. Delivered. That's the kind of fathering and certainty and assurance your children need. And so a a, a father who understands that, yes, go work hard. Yes, provide but also know that, that your, your children need more provision than just food on the table that will perish. They need soul provision. 
They, and, and if you have multiple children, you probably already know this by now, every child's different. It means it takes a different mindset. It takes a different strategy. It takes different conversations to draw out your children, to, to bless them. See, a father, a children must be marked uh, by their father. Or, sorry, I should say this way. A child will be marked. This is what the seal means. It's a marking. A child will be marked by their father. The question is, are they marked with blessing? Or are they marked with curse? See, this is the, the term. He's the father set his seal on the son. This is, this is a, a king's seal. This is like a, a stamp of validation or approval or ownership or authenticity. This says that it comes from the king. So the, the, the seal that has been placed on Christ the son is saying that he's legit. He's from heaven. He is the father's son. The Holy Spirit has put his, or sorry, God the Father has put his seal on you and I in Christ through his Holy Spirit. That's our seal. It's, it's our sign. It's our signet that we belong to God. And so, Dad, the, what, what he's saying here is that through he set his seal on his son, he is saying that, that God the Father is for. One of the things he's saying is, he's saying many things, but one of the things he's saying is God the Father is for Christ the Son. Dad is for you. He's not against you. He's not against you. And so this could look like different things. It could be affirmation and knowing that your father is always present, but you're all, or your father is there for when, when you have a need. You see this often early on in a child's life. If they feel safe around you, then if they get scared, what they do, run, run behind you. I saw this with my, my youngest son the other day. He's, you know, he's at the age where he thinks he uh, is brave. And can wander away, and like he's talking to everyone. He's real social. So we were at the gym. He's like talking to everybody, and this woman, uh, just normal, walking behind him. But he didn't realize she was behind him. He's laughing, yelling at people, making jokes. And he looks back, and he sees her, and she she scares him. She's not scary. She's normal human. She's he's fist, fist bumped her. He said hi to her. He knows who she is. He gets scared, and he starts screaming, running. He didn't know where to go. He's like, "You're blocking my way." He runs and he runs and climbs up in my lap. This is a, the, a moment where, it, where you, sometimes you think that your children, just because they're not climbing in your lap, just because they're, uh, they're, they're not doing the things they used to do with you, is, do they view you, dads, as safe? Do they view you as, as someone they can come to, to, who they trust, to protect you? Meaning this, do they know you're always, forever, for them? You're not against them. You do that not through simply uh, stating it and declaring it. You do that through perpetually, continually drawing near to your children so that they know that this is not just words that you say, but it's something that they've experienced. Their father's for them. And it starts so early as two and beyond. And we must see this, that this does not happen just simply because you want it. It takes cultivation. It takes presence. It takes an effort for you, dads, like God the Father set his seal on his son. He spent intentional time. You must win your children's hearts. I'll say it this way. You must win your children's hearts or someone else will. Period. It could be the YouTube channel. It could be the Disney show. It could be the friends or teachers at school. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be mom and not dad. Your, your kids... Someone will win their heart. They don't, we not, they're not born into a neutral world where it's just everyone is moving out of the way so that you can be a, a great parent. 
In fact, it's, the quite, it's quite the opposite. This takes time. This takes intentionality. This takes cultivation. This takes thinking long-term, planning in the present for something 40, 50 years in the future. Number five, the father protects his son. Matthew 2, verse 13, he says this. Now, when they had reported, behold, uh, or sorry, when they had departed, this is, this is Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus, when they were really young, uh, they had departed. Behold, an, an, the, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take your child and his mother and flee from Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. There's a hit that went out on King Jesus. He's a little baby, and the, the ruler of the time, Herod, wanted to murder him. He's like, and he started murdering all these babies, firstborn sons, trying to get to Jesus. I think if you can murder them all, then he'll, he'll get caught up in it. What happens? God the Father protects Christ the Son, number one, by sending an angel. By sending an angel. Number two, by giving him a godly father who listened to the angel. This is huge. Not only did God the Father speak intimately uh, with Christ the Son while he was here on earth, he used his earthly father to protect his life. And the angel, and, and angel of the Lord showed up to Joseph and he told him, hey, if you don't leave, Jesus is going to die. So what does he do? He doesn't contemplate it. He doesn't, oh man, let me run the numbers. Egypt, expensive. Travel, expensive. Gas prices, really high. I don't think we're going to be able to do this. I don't think we can do this. This doesn't make sense. Go to Egypt. They're not Christians there. They don't like us there. We're not going to have laws. We're not going to have liberties. We're going to have freedom. I don't know. No. He says, do it or your son dies. This is awesome. God the Father protected Christ the Son through, by sending an angel, but also his godly father. If you have a dad who knows, loves, and trusts Jesus, you have a godly dad, praise God for that. Joseph was a godly dad. He heard the voice of the Lord, and he obeyed. He didn't contemplate yeah, you know, I hear you, God, but, you know, gas prices are high. I hear you, God, but, you know, obedience now, like, what, can we wait later? No. Jesus had the earthly father who was like, what, did the, what does God the Father say? Let's do it. Immediately. This is awesome. I need you to see that even if you have a great home defense system, men, and you're like, I'm sold out on protecting my family, if you don't, have a relationship with God the Father where you can hear from him and discern his voice, you're a lousy protector. Joseph didn't have any guns. He didn't have a fortress. He didn't have a backup plan. He had God the Father, who's the God of angel armies, who can slaughter anyone if they stand against him. He did that through the Old Testament when they, God's people were charged to head into battle. God, the Lord of angel armies, would go before them. Oftentimes when things didn't make military sense. I, I'm not saying don't be willing to, to protect your, your children and to use uh, earthly means to do so. What I'm saying is that while you might do that, you must, you must have a, a relationship with God where you hear from him. And he teaches you how to lead your family. Imagine if the entire army showed up. The entire army shows up. And Joseph, dude, he has a lot of swords. He's ready. They just had the baby in a manger. I'm ready. Let's go. I've been training for this. God, bring it. 
The whole army shows up. He gets a couple guys. He can't overthrow everybody. He defends well. He's an honorable man. He tried his best. He did all he could. He stood, he held the line. He wasn't a coward. He did all that. But he didn't listen to the angel. He didn't listen to God, his son slaughtered. Who cares how, how great his defense was, how noble it was. What I'm saying is that men, fathers who don't listen to their God, who don't know their God, are, are stewarding the gift of father, uh, fathership in a foolish and inept way. This child, Jesus, was not Joseph's. Your children are not yours. They're God's. Steward them as if that were true, because it is. So if God shows up and says, hey, we got to get your kids out of here because someone's about to snatch them, you listen and obey him. Jesus later will tell us this, that, 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 that you who are in Christ, we are the children of God. Jesus later tells us we are children of God. And he says this, that, that no one can snatch you out of the Father's hands. It's amazing. The enemy cannot snatch you out of the Father's hands. That there's literally, in the same way Jesus was protected through earthly means, through his Father, through the angels speaking to his Father, that, that God the Father wants to protect you in the same, in the same way. Not only just defend and protect your, your, your security, or sorry, your, your eternity, your salvation, but also your well-being on earth. God the Father is still looking after you like he looked after Christ the Son, overseeing and protecting. I don't know this to be true. I don't know the amount of times. For sure an angel showed up and saved me while I was driving. I don't know because I can't see into the, the, the heavenlies. But I guarantee that there have been times when things have happened and God just saved me. You too. You're driving. I mean, we live in San Antonio. We're all, the fact that we all made it here today, blessing. God the Father's protection is on you. Hands down. Last week we were driving. We're driving. I looked down for a second, look up, and there's a, uh, there's a, a ladder that flew out of a, a truck headed towards me. And we're like swerving on the highway, and like somehow my senses are seeing things. I could say, boasting, like, man, I'm pretty good at, at driving. No, the Father's protecting us. I need you to understand this. Yes, use worldly wisdom. Yes, use wisdom. Use, use, take all, all, all means necessary to protect your family. But, but please, men, don't neglect the most important thing, a vibrant relationship with your heavenly Father. Let him lead you. Trust his protection. Appeal to him. Let him lead you. Number six, the Father provides for his son. Number, uh, Matthew 7, uh, 9 through 11, he says this, or which one of you, if, the son, if his son, this is thinking about you, you, you earthly fathers in here, if the son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. I've never once thought, you know what a great idea, my kid's hungry, let me pull out a stone. I don't even know this verse and have never even made the joke. It's not, it doesn't click uh, to do that. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. I hate snakes, that would never happen. If you then who are evil, meaning us, we're not perfect, we're not, we're, we're full, we have sin, uh, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you good things to those who ask him? That, that goes back to protection. You need to be protected. How much more will your Father give you? Like He loves you. That's where we started. God the Father loves you. 
And so what we're reading here is, yes, Jesus talking to a, a, a bunch of people about how uh, God the Father will provide, how, the, how God the Father will uh, protect, how, the, how God the Father cares for them. But he's, he's revealing to them what he's lived out. Remember the time where Jesus had a, a few fish, some loaves of bread, multiplied that to feed 5,000. Before he did it, God, he prayed, God the Father blessed it and it multiplied. God the Father had been continually, perpetually, always, forever, since Jesus was on earth, uh, providing for him. And Jesus is saying, I know the Father. He gives really, really, really good gifts. When I asked him to multiply the fishes and loaves, guess what he did? He did it. And he says, y'all marvel at that. That's not the marvelous thing. The marvelous thing is that you're part of the family. Jesus says, don't marvel at that. Marvel that your name is written in the book of life. Marvel that you're a child of God. That's what Jesus says. And in doing so, if you're a child of God, you can trust that God will provide. He will provide. Jesus, when teaching us how to pray, he says, ask the Father, Father in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Ask him for what you need, and he will give it. Jesus is continually, frequently, he, he continually frequently asked the Father for, for, for provisions and the, and the Father did it. He granted them. Do you see this? Jesus is in, has, has lived this out and he's revealing to us what is true about God the Father because he's experienced it, because he knows him, because he's one with him. Where are you at in your life where you need provision? Do you seek the Father? Do you seek him as one like Jesus Christ who would seek his Father knowing that he can provide, knowing that he will provide? Or do you seek him as an orphan, hoping that maybe God the Father hears you, hoping that one day maybe he will incline his ear to you? Do you feel like you burden him with your prayers so you won't go to him? I was talking to someone recently, they said, I don't pray a lot because I feel like a burden God. That's like his job. How many of you, if your kid was like, I'm going to stop eating because, you know, I don't want to burden my mom to, and dad to get me a dish out of the, the, you know, the cabinet. I'm too short to get it, and I get in trouble if I climb on something or if I climb in the refrigerator to the top shelf, I get in trouble. Like, kids need their parents to step in and provide. I'll tell you what, none of my children have ever bought a meal in their life. Never bought it. Never, never bought it. You know what you have? You've never bought a meal in your life as well. Money you have is God's. You're just like a two-year-old. You think you have a lot? You think you earned it? It was a gift from God. God blessed your work. It's a gift. He provides. I need us to see this. Everything we have, whether lot or little, is on loan from God. He's given it to you. He's blessed you. He's provided we must see this. And this is what children do. When they need something, they run. Like, I talk all the time. My, I told my children no to gum yesterday just so I could say it in the sermon. Like, I did. I said no. Because every time I tell them, I'd say yes. But now I feel, I'm like, that was a dumb idea. Like, God the Father's not like that. He's like, in heaven, hey, I want to tell them no because I have, like, you know, a point I want to make. Like, this is the reality. Like, my kids don't, they don't stop asking. And that, 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 can be frustrating. But they, the reason why they keep asking is because they understand that they need provision. And if they don't ask, they don't receive. James 4.2 tells us the first part that you have not because you ask not. Run to your heavenly Father and ask. Trust that he will provide. Let's keep going.
Number seven, the father had a relationship with his son. So I want to look at this, 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 this relationship here, this brief moment in history. John 5, 19 through 21. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing on his own accord, but only, uh, but only what he sees the father doing. So this is a father-like son phenomenon. This is what's going on. Like father-like son, you've heard about that? Like this is the reality. He sees his father doing and he copies it. He says, Forever, whatever the father does, the son does likewise. This is like you know, a, a child dressing up like his dad. Uh, this, is, this is that moment, but it's happening in real time in real life and affecting real change. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's learning from his father. For the father loves the son. Again, we see that. And, and shows him all all that he is doing, or what he himself is doing. He's, he loves his son, and so he's showing him all that he's doing. He's inviting him into it. This is the type of relationship Jesus had with his father, and he tells him this, that uh, greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel. He's like, I'm gonna show my son some great works, and he's gonna do mighty works so that you and I, we marvel. We're in awe. For, for as the father raises uh, the, the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. This is, this is Jesus the Son. He's imitating his Father. Men, your sons will imitate you. Your daughter, daughters will marry guys like you. That, that second part should ch- it changes a lot of guys. Like, oh, like me? I, I want my daughters to, do you want a daughter, your daughter to marry a guy like you? If not, then be that man. Be the man who Jesus called you to be. That, that's one quick way for a man to change, is to have a daughter. And know that she'll one day marry a man. Either a good man or a bad man. The issue is often who he is. Because that's the kind of man she will want to seek after. That's the kind of man she expects. This is why, like, with, if a husband, a, a father abused his wife, oftentimes women find themselves in relationships with abusive men. Christian men can break that cycle. And we're calling you to do that. But the reality is, like father, like son, Jesus, on, or he, he, he copied, he imitated his father. Likewise, we should imitate him as well and pass that on to our children. And so what do your kids see you doing? What do they want to imitate? Like my kids now think phones are really cool and I'm like, I need to stop being on my phone. Like there's nothing helpful for my kid right now, my kids right now on a, on a phone. There's nothing. There's nothing helpful. You're like, oh, it entertained them. That's about it. And that's not very helpful. That's not very helpful. I'm not saying you can't have, give a kid a phone. What I'm trying to say is, what is the thing? They, when they're playing around the house and they want to act like mom and dad, they're, they're FaceTiming, they're on the phone, like that's what they think is cool. We used to grow up thinking that being a firefighter or a police officer was cool. Because like that's the stuff we, our parents told us. Now it's like be an influencer on Instagram. Like that's not cool. That's not. It's not. And so this is the, the relationship a father has with his son, with his daughter, matters. And some of you might be thinking, man, all this sounds like a lot. It feels like I don't have time for that. Yeah, that's what your dad probably said too. That's what your grandpa said. That's what generations of men have kept saying. Excuse after excuse after excuse. You have two options, men. Do the hard thing and be an intentional father or live in regret, period. It's the only options. It's the only options. 
The beautiful thing about this is you have a heavenly father who just told you that if you ask, he'll provide. God the Father loves you, but he also loves your children. They're his. That means that if you ever, any, there are some grandparents out here. Grandparents spoil their children. Amen? Amen. They're, they're, they do. Grandparents spoil their grandchildren. They do. God the Father is like a, is like a grandpa to your kids. If you need something to bless them, He's like, yes and amen. What do you need? How much do you need? Let's do it. I'm not making that up. If we ask anything according to the will of God, he gives it to us, 1 John tells us. And what I'm saying is when we ask, hey, God, I need your strength. I need your help. I need you to help me lead, love, and serve my my wife, my my children uh, in in a way that that models and reflects you, God, as a father. He's like, yep, amen. I'm going to bless that one. I love to do that. He's not unwilling The question is, we often want other things, and that's what we're chasing. It is hard, but the the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to do this if that's what you want. Here's the reality. If you don't want to, we can talk about all these how-tos. It won't matter. So my hope is that you would leave here going, I want to do this. And then we can, the the Bible and other men can come alongside you and help you implement some how-tos. It will be hard, but it will be the best endeavor you've ever given yourself to. Number eight, the father works with his son. Jesus answered them, my father's working until now, and I am working. Jesus had been seeing his dad working because his dad had been bringing, it's like, have the imagine, imagine a father bringing his son along to work. Children are a blessing. Sometimes bringing kids along to work, maybe you'd have a job where your kid can't come, and if you, and if you did, or if they are allowed to see, or if you've ever done any project around the home with your child, it takes 10 times longer. Or if you bring me to your house to do a project with you, it's going to take 10 times longer because I really don't know how to do anything productive with a hammer. Uh, so that's the only thing I use. <sighs> Just break it. Uh, that's, like, it takes 10 times longer, right? But it's, it's not about how long it takes. It's about the, the journey, the investment you're making into your, your son, to your daughter. Kids are a blessing. Here's, the, here's what dads must teach their children, not just how to do something, but why they do something. Why do you do it? Moreover, how to worship Jesus while doing it. No one's going to teach them that. Who's going to teach your child how to worship Jesus while doing work? No one. You are. You are. Number, number nine, the father comforted his son. Behold, uh, John 16, 32, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. There's a day coming, Jesus is saying to his disciples, y'all are going to get scared and y'all are going to abandon me. He says, yet I am not alone for the father is with me. This is a verse for anyone who's been abandoned by their father. Your father in heaven was with you. If you've been abandoned by your friends or feel alone or isolated or, or everyone has left you and you feel like you are just, just alone in your entire life, God the father is with you. Jesus says he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you. Jesus experienced this comfort of the Father. And in 2 Corinthians 1 says that he wants to give that to you, to give to others. That's what he says. This is what a dad is to do to his children. They need to know at all times that their father is not just present, but he is for them and he can comfort them. This 
We had a lot of examples going into the sermon from this week. We lost a lizard this week, not meaning we can't find him, you know, the other word. Uh, He didn't make it. A lizard died in our house this week. My son caught him, uh, and he didn't do anything crazy. Just, I don't know, we didn't research why it happened, but he caught him, and it was really cool. We took pictures, and then he set him down, and, you know, he was alive. When he set him down, come back later, he's still there. Thought maybe he's napping, you know, started to worry. Lizards don't nap in the sun. Uh, but he continues to nap until we realize, like, no, he's dead. I'm, I'm literally writing this point of the sermon. Literally have written this point of the sermon. And my daughter walks in, doesn't knock, just walks in, because she knows she, can have, she has access to her father. She, well, even while he's working, she walks in, and she just looks at me, and she says, the lizard died and just burst into tears. It climbs up in my lap. If you want to know how that conversation went, we can talk offline about it. But I, I talked to her about, I, lie, I don't lie to her, I talked to her about real things, about how we are to steward and exercise dominion and how God has given us gifts, but also God takes things that are sometimes not very happy and makes them, turns them into good things. And so uh, I, I then walk out and look for my son, and he's on the couch hiding under uh, pillows and blankets, crying as well pick him up. We start talking. He doesn't know why. We really don't know why this happened. We don't know why. He didn't like smush his face or like we don't, he didn't like smother him. There's it just, we don't know. Some of you lizard people are going to tell me after you shouldn't have touched him. That's why you killed him. Probably. And we talked. And so we talked about how God uses sometimes things and sin and, and things that we regret or even failures, though this was neither of those, uh, but he uses them to work out something for good. And so he's like, hey, can we go put it outside and maybe a bird will come eat it because that will be dinner for it. Flies ate it, but like we still put it out there. It was just this, this moment, but it, was, it wasn't this moment of comforting him, just telling him, hey, it's okay, just, it's just a lizard, get over it. Your children, fathers, are going to experience times in their life where they feel like they failed. They feel like they've been abandoned. They feel like they're alone. They feel like they've messed up. They feel like their friends at school uh, don't want to talk to them. Or, or they, they're, they're engaging in a subject that's really, really hard. And they feel not very wise or not very smart. And they feel foolish or ashamed. Or they go to the, the, the Little League or wherever, the, wherever sport, whatever. They just come back just downcast. Jesus needed a father to comfort him. If Jesus needed his father to comfort him, you and I need our heavenly father to comfort us. Moreover, fathers, your children need you to comfort them. Number 10, the father had a mission for his son. John 20, verse 21, Jesus said to said to them again, so he said it again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus was sent by the Father. All the teaching he had observed, all the watching of his Father, all the going to work with his Father, all of that, all of the protection God the Father had on him, all the provision that God the Father had made was leading to this point, the mission. We don't raise our kids to sit and watch on the sidelines. We raise our kids to participate in the mission. The same mission that God gave Adam and Eve that is fulfilled through Jesus, that Jesus commissions us, he's he's sent us. Just as he's been sent, he has sent us. Your kids are not missionaries yet. If they're not, they don't know, love, and trust Jesus, so don't call them that. But they're in training. They're missionaries in training. So many kids grow up and they just, they don't know their purpose. They don't know their purpose. Why am I created? And if you don't tell them their purpose given to you by God through the scriptures, some teacher will tell them. And let me tell you this, probably won't be the same purpose that God intended for them. 
Some counselor will tell them. Some coach will tell them. But what ought to be is their father telling them their purpose. That just as the father has sent the son, so the son sends us. We should be sending and prepping and and teaching our children. Our children. Your children. This isn't Sunday. We don't send them to us, for us to train them. What our children's ministry is doing right now is coming alongside what you are doing. If you are doing nothing, then that's all the training they are getting. Depending on how long the sermon lasts is how long they get trained. So don't complain if I go long. So they can get more training. Are you teaching them to know God? That's what the training is, to know their God. I was overwhelmed with the evidence of how much God the Father loved his son through the 165 verses in Scripture. The overwhelming evidence of how God is a provider. Overwhelming evidence that that God is for us, not against us. Overwhelmed through the Scriptures about who God is. I want my children to be overwhelmed with the evidence that God is who he says he is. They can trust it. They know it. they're, They're so confident in it. They can hear his voice. They can discern their gifts. They can kill sin lest it kill them. They can live sent. It's the father's job to prepare his children for the mission. Number 11, God the father has given authority to the son. Jesus, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is, is bent on mission. His mission was to seek and save the lost. And he did, he did so. He gave a lethal blow to sin and death through substituting himself in your place and my place for our sins. He was hung on a cross, crucified, mu- murdered, declared dead. And three days later, he rose victorious, conquering sin, Satan, death in the grave, offering new life, righteousness to anyone who would believe. That was the mission. That's why he came. And and after that, God the Father gave him all authority. See, Jesus went through a process which every child must go through. He was a child. He went through through his preteens. He went through his teenage years. He went through his 20s. And he went through his 30s, a few years into his 30s. But after, after he walked with his father, he was commissioned by his father. And then he walked in the authority of his father. Fathers, this is the trajectory, ought to be purposeful, planned for your children, your sons and your daughters. Jesus went through a process of cultivation, ascending and affirmation and a blessing. And Jesus did. He went to the cross. He, 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 his, his authority was given to him to, uh, after the resurrection so that the mission could continue. To send, therefore, us. And Jesus sends us out in the same authority. Jesus Christ operated in the authority of the Father. He, he has been given the authority of the Father, and now he sends us in the authority of the Father to, 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 to seek and save those who are lost. Now, some of you with this, you're, you're going, is this actually how God feels about us? Like how the Father actually sees me? Do you, 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 like, do you, you're, you're struggling, like, I get it, this was Jesus, he was perfect. We must understand that Jesus, when he died in your place for your sins, that was the mission he was sent on. When he died for you, he didn't just die and and, and create a way. He died because he was the only way. He died, and and through his death, he atoned for all of your sins, your past sins, your present sins, your future sins, anything that would keep you from the Father. And this is how the Father actually sees you now as an adopted child of God. 
You are blessed like Jesus is blessed. You're secured like Jesus is secured. You're highly favored like Jesus was. And so number 12, the father looks at you just like he looks at Christ the son, and the father is pleased. He's pleased. Matthew 3, 17 says, Behold a voice from heaven. So hear this. If you are in Christ, this is true about you. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The father is pleased. He's proud of his son. If you know, love, and trust Jesus, the Father is pleased with you. Your sin has been paid for. Your debt has been paid for. You're a child of God. So how do you get a father like that? How do you get a father like that? Well, there's only one way. Only one way. John 14, 6. The only way to the Father, to have a father like this, who's eternally proud of us, who, who gives us his authority, who sends us on mission, who protects us, who provides for us, who loves us, who will never leave us, all of that. How do you get that? How do you get a father like that? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You give your life to Jesus. You go to Jesus, and he gives you access to the Father. If you believe in him and you trust him, you give your sin to him, give your life to him, he becomes your savior. That's how you have access to him. That's how you have access, excuse me, to the Father. And so some of you will think at this point, you'll go, well, it feels like God only loves me because of Jesus. And some of you smart theologians will say, yeah, that's right. He only loves you because of Jesus. Actually, John 3, 16, the most famous verse in the entire Bible, tells us that God loved us before Jesus even came. You must see this. Yes, he loves you because of Jesus in the sense that your sins have been atoned for. You can be in his presence forever because he's holy and can't be in the presence of sin. He's wiped away your sin. He's taken your, your debt. He's paid it all. Why? So that you can have access to him. So that you can actually have an abiding relationship with your father. That you can have the same relationship that Jesus had with his father. He wants to have with you. Therefore, God so loved the world. Loved you that he gave his son this whole scheme played out because he wanted to save sinners he gave his only son that whoever what believes in him in Jesus who believes in the only way the son will not perish but have ever or eternal life that's how you know God loves you God looked upon you, seeing your sin, your fallenness, your rebellion, and said, I want you in my family. I love you. I want you. And so I'm going to pay for you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to buy you back. I'm going to pay for you to be in my family with my son's life. He's going to be sent. He's going to go rescue you. That's what Jesus' mission was, a rescue mission to, to redeem and buy back his, God's children, to adopt them into his family so that they could know him, love him eternally. This word eternal life. Some of you just think it means that you live forever. That's true. You're going to live forever either way, either eternity with Jesus or in hell where it's hot. It, that's the only, that's the only, we're all, yes, everyone's going to live for eternity. This verse is not, you get to live forever. Jesus tells us the definition of eternal life in John 17, verse 3. We don't have time to turn there, but John 17, 3, look it up. He says, this eternal life is that they may know God and know the Son whom he has sent. Eternal life is knowing God. God so loved the world and wanted you to know him that in your rebellion, in your, in your wandering, in your, 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 your dismay, your distaste, your, your hatred for him even, 
and your sin. He said, I want you. I know you're running, but I'm faster. I know you're, you're sinning a lot, but I have more grace. You can't outrun the love of God. And so he, he's chased after you. So if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you, and you think that the Father is just, Jesus is a, an alternate to kind of maybe get you in heaven, you need to understand that the Father loves you. And the proof is that he gave himself for you. He gave his son for you. That you would not perish, die in your sin, but you could know God now and for eternity. That's the good news. That's proof that God the Father loves you. So what we're going to do now in response is what we do every week. We're going to take communion. And the response is to hear this and to remember God's love. The length in which Jesus went to save us is proof to how much the Father loves you. So we do so by eating the bread and drinking the cup through communion where we remember, hear this, we say it every week, but I don't think we, it clicks. We remember the love of the Father through the sacrifice of Christ the Son. That's what we're about to do. We're about to worship. We're about to remember. We're about to meditate on. We're about to rejoice in the love of the Father through the sacrifice of Christ the Son. May, as we eat and as we drink, may your heart well up with joy and gladness. For if you are in Christ, you are an adopted son and daughter in the same way God the Father loves the Son. And I want you to see this. Some of you will see that, okay, in the same way God the Father loves the Son. Some great theologians have said, like, basically, well, when God looks at you, he simply looks at Jesus, and that's why he loves you, because he looks at Jesus. He's already dealt with your sin. He looks at you now, like you individually, like you look in a mirror and says, I love that man. I love that woman. They're righteous because of Jesus. I loved them before they were born. I loved them. I so loved the world. See, don't mix up the imputed righteousness of Christ with God's love for you. God loves you in your sin. He sanctifies you. He blesses you. He calls you holy through the finished work of Jesus. He looks upon Christ's sacrifice and says, holy. He doesn't look upon Christ's sacrifice and say, I love you based off of that. Because now you're holy. For God to love the world, he loved you before he gave himself for you. He loved you in your rebellion. Don't mix those two. I think sometimes people think that, that, that they, they relate Jesus, or God declaring me righteous, meaning that's, now I've made it. Now God can love me. God loves you. The question is, do you love him? Let's respond. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would well our hearts up to worship you with great love and affection. Father, you love us. You loved your son. You've loved us even in our sin. And because Jesus has died, and as we remember that, because he's died in our place for us since we, and we have faith, we are declared righteous. And yes, you look upon us and see the righteousness of Christ on us. But Lord, may we see that you've loved us. And that's why you sent your son. You're a father who loves his children. And when it, your children rebel and run from you, you run after them. So if there's anywhere in our heart where we're still in rebellion and don't want to run back to you, would you soften our heart? Would you break down the walls? Would you redeem and would you save? May we rejoice as we respond, knowing, knowing that you love us. And we love because you first loved us. So bless us, bless these fathers. 
May they leave here equipped and blessed to be the type of fathers that reflect the true father heart of God our Father. In Jesus' name.